Welcome to Innovation Illuminated, a podcast where guest entrepreneurs and experts in their field of business share their experiences and knowledge learned through their journey in the business world. I am your host, Hunter Pirock, and similar to these guests, I am also an entrepreneur. Today's guest is Colin Vesley. Colin is the owner of Totally Normal Studio. As you can see, I'm dripped out in their merch right now. Colin gave me a little care package at the end of the episode with this sick t-shirt, a hoodie, another shirt, and then this awesome hat that has a deer running, and the head of the deer is actually Totally Normal Studios logo. So Colin owns a screen printing business and embroidery, and they also make their own merchandise like I'm wearing here. Colin and I talk about how he started the business from buying the equipment and what it actually costs to buy embroidery and screen printing gear also the thread um a lot of the stuff that just is a starting cost for the business we talk about all those and we talk about a lot of advice for young entrepreneurs he walks through how he started the business and moved back home and he's 25 years old now and still living at home and is able to run the business and is very satisfied with it since he wasn't satisfied and talks about how going out to bars is only a short fulfillment of happiness Whereas if you get to do what you want to do and you love what you're doing for work and you're dedicated to it, there is so much more fulfillment out of that and a great future ahead of you. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify. And you can check us out on any platform, YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, and please leave a comment of a guest that you'd like me to interview in your industry or a specific industry. And also a question that you'd like me to ask them. I hope you enjoy this one and thanks for tuning in to Innovation Illuminated. I can't sit around and like watch a bunch of reels to figure out like what's trending. <laughs> totally. I'm just not about to do that. So yeah, I've tried to do it. And it's like a waste of time. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you want to do what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Like I don't know, I could make something that's like POV when you blah, blah, blah <laughs> in design. And it's like, yeah. that just like doesn't fit my like, branding or aesthetic that i'm going for with any of my stuff so it's just not worth it yeah totally how do you make those th- the 3d animations and stuff that you do some of your advertising with um the three anything 3d is blender okay so blender is a 3d rendering program it's free which is cool um so anybody can use it but yeah i do the raw like modeling and base animations in blender and then I do some editing in Premiere Pro and like add effects and stuff in After Effects. Gotcha. So it's like a whole kind of combination of things. Sometimes you have to use Photoshop too for like editing textures and stuff. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah, there's huh. there's quite a bit that goes into it. And I know they look like um, sort of basic, but like I'm trying to go for like a PS1 yeah. style <laughs> graphics. No, I like that. So I like it. Um, and and it works better for me because like I'm not a super good modeler. Um, mm. It's just like like you can you can spend years doing that, you know. And I just have so many things that I'm interested in. It's hard for me to like uh, not hard, I should say, but um, I just don't I don't necessarily want to like spend a bunch of time every week like working on modeling and texturing like proper looking humans you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it looks um, photorealistic yeah, yeah yeah photorealism 
And I feel like like the PS1 style is like a little bit more forgiving in your textures because you're gonna add like VHS effects and like make it look distorted. So if the texturing isn't perfect, you can kind of get away with it. Yeah. So that's definitely nice. And it's a super unique look. I I said I said to you before like I like the look of like all your marketing. It just like looks so like you said the PS1 looks like super fun and trendy and it flows with your company. I feel like kind yeah. of like your logo is kind of analogy and mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah and i've always been into stuff like that like um i don't know i don't know why but just like that like retro sci-fi feel yeah and i think like growing up playing ps2 games from a super young age like i think that just kind of ingrained that aesthetic in me like those type of graphics hold a special place in my in my heart you know mm -hmm. me and uh my brother were just talking about it last night because our internet went out the first snowstorm oh really? so we like didn't know we couldn't play games on our pcs so we didn't know what to do so we like hooked up the gamecube and uh just like there's so much personality in those old consoles you know like the the ui is super unique and like the menu mu like the music in the menus and stuff is like really interesting and it's just mm -hmm. like like um with the p and there's nothing wrong with like a ps5 right like there's nothing r inherently wrong with that but like the menus and like the base menus when you're just open up the system it's just like so cookie cutter and like the clean minimalist aesthetic that you see like everywhere these mm -hmm. days and it's just like kind of boring you know yeah um, there's like yeah, yeah, there's just like a lot of personality in the in the old consoles and it's uh it's really cool. And it's nostalgic, I'm sure, cuz you grew up playing the games yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So like definitely looking back on it all with like rose tinted glasses or whatever. <laughs> so do you get a lot of creativity or like ins inspiration from the games, those older games? Um I don't I I would say more I get more inspiration from like books I'm listening to or just like songs I hear or um yeah yeah like just like a line in a book will like set me down like sort of a spiral and hmm. then i'll be thinking of something and see what i can make into a design out of that yeah. i don't know like normally i have some kind of like concept or like a look in my head of what i'm going for and then i i just kind of like start and see where it takes me i used to be like really uh, I used to get really caught up with like, oh, this doesn't look exactly how I thought it would in my head and like get like mess around with it a bunch trying to get it like perfectly how it looked in my head. And then honestly, it was kind of re like the, even through design school and college and stuff like that, I, I was always like that. And then um, so sort of like a perfectionist, you know, and then I'd say over the course of the last year, I really like um just like submitted to the process a little bit and like kind of let things come out how they were going to come out. Um, and not that, that, that doesn't mean like I'm trying to make things that are bad necessarily, or like I care about obviously how the thing comes out. Right. But, um, sometimes when you get too caught up with like what the idea is in your head, you can like lose track of like what's really important with the design or the message you're trying to get across mm -hmm. so sometimes it's better to just like like uh let it let it happen you know yeah i feel that a lot with myself uh, kind of a thing i 
I'm thinking of as like a paradox of choices where there's just too many options to decide from that you just can't pick one. Yeah. Like for example, like I was designing thumbnails for the podcast, like little highlight clips I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't like decide on one or I had so many ideas in my head like, oh, I want this or I want this logo in the corner or something. And I never, I'm never going to make a decision if I don't just pick one and just go for it. Yeah. And I get to the end and maybe it doesn't look exactly what I envisioned it to look like, but at least it's done and you can move on to the next thing. Whereas like if you don't get it done and don't feel at least comfortable with something done that you're never going to get it done, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, And you can always change it, you know, like mm-hmm. if you pick one style of thumbnail and you're like oh, that didn't work really well, or now that I see it on Instagram, it's not what I wanted it to be, like, you can change it for the next one. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, especially in the early stages, I feel like you can mess around with branding and the look and, like, how you want to do things. I mean, you you, you can even do a name change if if that's what you decide you need to do or whatever. Like, uh, I did that, you know, um... I guess uh I guess we just kind of started talking but maybe we should get back to like the beginning I guess. Yes. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning. So when did you start the business and kind of how did you start it? Did you already have all the apparel and printing machines and stuff or did you have to go out and buy that stuff? Um I had to buy stuff. So I'd say I really started I started playing around with things while I was still in college like 2020 just before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um I had an internship, so I had some money, and I didn't have enough money for screen printing equipment yet, Um, but I had enough money for a heat press, so I bought a heat press, and that's not exactly what I wanted to do, like, screen printing is more the avenue I wanted to go down, but... Um, it's what I could afford and I just wanted to start making stuff. Um, yeah. And I was in design school at the time and I had a interview with one of my professors and they were talking, like I was a senior in the design program and they're asking about like what I wanted to do with my future. And I feel like for the longest time I knew I wanted to start some kind of business, um, in high school and stuff, it was always like going to be a snowboarding company. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I wanted to make snowboards and maybe I still will someday. I don't know. (laughs) But um, I just feel like, like, I don't know what I can, there's like a whole, there's so much engineering that goes into snowboards. Um, And maybe I'm just discounting myself. And like I said, maybe one day I'll get to that, but Right now, snowboards, we're not doing snowboards. Yeah, but it's the dream. That's what you want. Yeah, yeah. Or just like, I knew I wanted to start some kind of brand, you know? I didn't know what it was going to be. So just like talking to my professor about that, and um, I had all the excuses like, oh, I don't have the money to do it, or I don't have the time to do it. And they're just like, you just have to start. Like, you just have to start. And I feel like that applies to so many things in life, you know, like, kind of even what you were saying with uh, too many options to pick from, like you just have to start, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and cause you'll never know if you can do it or how it's going to work out. If you never start, like you can watch all the podcasts in the world, like read yeah. all the books and it's not gonna, there's no, there's no like blueprint. You know what I mean? Like there's, 
there's sort of blueprints, I guess, but um, like just because it works, yeah, just because it worked for one person doesn't mean it's gonna work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's sort of a kind of went up on a tangent there, but yeah. So the my my professor was like, you just gotta start and um. Yeah, I bought the heat press and I made my first hoodie um, and just like sold it to friends and stuff. Yeah. And then I just was kind of like playing around with that. Um, a couple months later, I bought like a DIY screen printing kit from just like the art store. Um, and I had a familiarity with the process from high school because mm -hmm. uh, in graphic arts, we did screen printing. So like I had a foundation for what the process was but um yeah so much trial and error and trying to get it figured out especially like at that point i literally like would coat the screen and like stick it in my bathroom and have to tell my roommates like don't go in the bathroom for the <laughs> night like don't use this bathroom for the next like four hours while this thing is driving or drying <laughs> um thankfully we had more than one bathroom but um yeah and then just like exposing the screens was was super tough then uh, i was using like just a floodlight and i'd have to let the i'd have to like let the light sit on it for like 45 minutes in order to get a good exposure so what what's the process sorry sorry to interrupt you but yeah, i, no, I don't know like what the screen printing process is like how do you get the graphic on it you're talking about exposing it can you kind of walk okay through that yeah process? yeah but for sure for sure so um how I start normally is like with screen printing stuff is you need to make the design print ready. So that means like taking it into Photoshop or Illustrator and separating all the colors onto different layers and making them all black um, mm. because you need to print transparencies and the transparencies need to be black. So if you're doing a three color design, um, you need to have and it's black red and white you need to have like a white screen a black screen and a red screen you need a screen for each color so you need a transparency for each color so um the transparency is like exactly what it sounds like it's just like transparent film um it's kind of plasticky mm -hmm. and you can print on that with like an inkjet printer uh, i use a plotter that my dad has down at his shop so just so I can do like larger format stuff. Um, so you print the transparencies and then um, you need to coat your screens with emulsion. So emulsion is basically like, uh, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it's kind of like um, this coating that you use. You, uh, you, you, it's light sensitive. So, um, you fill up this thing. It's called a scoop coater. It's like a little trough to almost. So you fill that up with emulsion and then you coat the screen on both sides with it. And then mm -hmm. you need to let it dry. Um, so you let that dry and then you, I have all my screens measured out. Um, so I put the transparency in the same spot every time there's, there's like more advanced ways to do this, but uh, this is what works for me right now. So then you tape the transparency down to the back of the screen and then you have to expose it. And I have an exposure unit. So you just, it's like, um, 
it's this machine that you put the screen in then you clamp the lid down and it like vacuums it like vacuum seals mm. it and then it exposes it to uv light so what that does is anything that isn't cover anything that's on the emulsion that isn't covered by like the black you printed on the transparency gets exposed to the light and that cooks it and it hardens it so then it's not water soluble at that point so then everything that was underneath the black stuff on your transparency aka your design mm -hmm. that becomes that doesn't get cooked and that's water soluble so then you take that to your spray booth and uh you wash out the design with a power washer oh okay so yeah. the black comes off then that's just transparent yeah you have to take the transparency off and then you spray it out and it, all the all the emulsion that was in the screen that was underneath the black stuff or the the uh, the ink the print the yeah. transparent whatever you want to <laughs> call black. it yeah um that that falls out and that leaves you your like stencil your design and so. you so for like that three layer logo like you said red white black you'd have three different transparencies for that logo yeah right? like for this shirt like i had a screen for all the black stuff and i had a screen for all the red stuff right and on the transparencies they're both black um mm. just because the least amount of light will come through black so like if you tried to like if you were doing a yellow color and you tried to print on your transparency with yellow all the light is just going to flow right through that so you use black and um then it's your then once you get on the press you're not constrained like it's just a blank screen you can put whatever ink you want on it gotcha yeah gotcha okay so the process is kind of like you have the transparency or the paper or first first you're in photoshop and then you turn any color into black and s separate them all out do you just save them as like a jpeg or something like that uh i use pdfs generally okay. yeah I, they, they definitely uh tend to work the best for printing um jpegs would probably work but you have like a lot of artifacting and like weird things that can happen with jpegs like little mm -hmm. pixelation and stuff and like uh pdfs will hold those like hard edges okay yeah and then so you'd print that out on the ink printer or whatever like that in black yep and then you'd put the emulsion on yep on the screen okay and then spray it uh or you let it UV? dry okay then expose then spray yeah. Gotcha. And then that's when you'd see, like, I see the videos like you post and other people where it's on the press and you're yeah. switching it over and putting it down and then putting the ink on. Yep. That'd be the next step. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's once it gets actually to press. It sounds more complicated than it actually is because of like sort of the jargony stuff like emulsion and transparencies and exposing. But like there is so many good YouTube videos out there on like how to do this. Um, it's really easy to learn. Okay. Yeah. And then once you're done with the prints, can you reuse the transparency or screen? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you can, you can, the ink doesn't dry. Um, so you can like leave, like I have screens on my press right now from that, like I could go back and run a print through it today, hmm. you know, and it would be fine. You just would, I would have to put like more ink on it because I generally take all the ink off, but yeah um yeah the ink doesn't dry it's like oil based huh and there is water-based ink too but um i prefer like plastisol ink the oil-based stuff it just works better gotcha like water-based stuff your screens from my experience with it the screens always get clogged up and i'm constantly like trying to wash out parts of the design that aren't printing properly 
So I don't know. Maybe I'm just doing it wrong, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, oil-based inks tend to just get the job done every time. Gotcha. For the listener, I know I know a little bit, and you're an expert in it. Um, a heat press would be like you'd cut out vinyl and then press it on, correct? Yeah, you can do vinyl, or there's like a trans, or it's like transfer paper, it's called, and you can like okay. print directly onto that with like a normal printer. And then, yeah, heat press it down. And then the screen print would be that whole process we just explained. Like yep. this, you did this logo for me too, or this yep. sweatshirt. That's embroidery. Or no, was that, one, that was screen printed? printed? Oh, yeah. nice. Okay. And then embroidery would be another thing. And what yep. would be on your hat then? That's just stitched down. What would that like yeah. label be called? This is a woven label. Okay. I guess I should maybe show the camera. Yeah, yeah. that's a woven label. Um, I ordered those. I didn't make those myself. And okay. then I just stitch them on. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't know what goes into making woven labels but i assume it's a lot of machinery that i don't have yeah (laughs) right but those are kind of the options because when i started a business i didn't know what the options were like screen print heat press Mm -hmm. embroidery i didn't know all the different options and even woven labels i put some of them on like those ponchos that i had for country just like a nice little woven label i didn't know the names of any of that stuff and had to like look into it so that's a good resource for entrepreneurs and business owners to know all that information because everybody's gonna get merch eventually yeah that's true yeah it is weird um i think i looked up like custom tags at first and then i found like woven labels yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah there's so much terminology um i feel like like that's kind of the case with any business too it's like um there's like there's like little like little hurdles or whatever that you have to get over and like a lot of that is like terminology sometimes Mm -hmm. i have that problem with embroidery um because i feel like with screen printing people are very i don't know if it's just like the type of person that gets into screen printing or what but people are way more like giving with information when it comes to screen printing and i think that's because like i don't have any facts for this or anything this is just like my theory i guess you'd call it but Mm -hmm. um it's really easy to get into screen printing and it's really easy to like be a hobbyist when it comes to screen printing because you can go to any art store and like buy a screen and buy emulsion and like just start doing it Mm -hmm. for super cheap um embroidery like everything about embroidery is expensive like the machines are expensive to get good thread it's expensive like to get the right stuff it's always expensive like the digitizing software was expensive um so people from what i've from my experience at least like people are less giving with that information like there's more paywalls involved with like buy you have they want you to buy their class or like Mm. um buy their embroidery book or whatever and um Yeah, so it's like really hard to uh, uh, figure out the terminology. There's an embroidery shop in Waukesha called So Much More. And like I go down, that's where I got my big embroidery machine. And that's where I get all my thread and stuff like that. Um, And I I, I go try and ask them questions. And like, it depends on who's there. You know, like if the if the the lady who doesn't know how to digitize is in there. Like she can't answer my digitizing questions, you know? And like, you can go on YouTube, but it's like that terminology thing. Like, I don't know when, when something's going wrong with embroidery, like I should have brought one of the hoodies that I would just did. Um, 
I was having so much trouble with that design. Like the fill stitching wasn't lining up with the underlay edge. And before, like, I didn't even know what any of that was called, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I'm like, like, you don't even know where to start looking up the issue, where to start troubleshooting if you don't have the words for what the problem is, you right. know? Um, so that can be tricky. And it just ended up like, thankfully, one day when I went down there, there was somebody there who knew how to digitize. And they told me like to check my underlay distance and um, my push and pull compensation. So that like gave me a foundation to like start watching some tutorials and stuff and like start figuring it out. And I ended up figuring it out. But uh, yeah, it can be embroidery can be tricky for sure. Huh. I had a similar in instance when I was getting the easy fade injection molded mm -hmm. and I 3d printed it and 3d printers are for the most part self-explanatory. Like you can design it 3d printed. If it turns out, it doesn't turns out if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. And you can do like fill and stuff, but injection molding is a whole different game because they're shooting or two pieces of metal. The tool is coming together and then they shoot the plastic yep. in and then they pull them apart. But there's so many things like an undercut and different things that, the pl the two pieces of metal the tool has to pull apart mm -hmm. and they're gonna pull your part apart if there's an undercut yeah like if it's you have to design it in a way that it can be injection molded right yeah when I was in school we went to this uh injection molding facility and um we did like some basic molding and yeah I remember being like oh there's like way more to this than I thought I thought injection molding was just like you have the mold push the plastic in boom, you're done. But right. yeah, yeah, you got to be careful with, with, uh, I could imagine that being tough, like, especially like, I'm sure, like, I don't think you have an injection molding machine, right? No, right. No, working no. with the manufacturer. Yeah. Yeah. So like you send them your idea and they're like, no, we can't do that. It's not going to work. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. How can we make it work? Yeah. Right. I, so I, yeah, I sent them the file and then they're like, well, there's an, and they had a good software. It's like, there's an undercut here. There's an undercut here. And then the the ejection pins like can't go here or something. Yeah. So then we did like a hour or two phone call like a couple of days where it was like I had to redesign damn near the whole guard. Yeah. It's like the whole invention that I just 3D printed was like, oh, this is perfect. It's like all of a sudden you have to redesign the whole thing and put slopes so that the tools can pull apart. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's going to get stuck in the tool. And there was so much stuff that I didn't know going into it. So that's another thing. Like you just got to jump in for some stuff like that. Like yeah. we talked about. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And um. I mean, I think that's like so important for anything. Um, like, I feel like a lot of people have ideas or they have dreams or aspirations and they're like almost waiting for somebody to give them permission to start. And like, you just have to give yourself permission. Like if you need permission, if that's something you feel like you need, which you don't, like mm -hmm. you don't need permission to start a business. You don't need permission to go out and do something like you can just do it. Um, and I don't, I think that part of that is just like growing up in at least our American school system, like so many things you do, you have to ask permission for even like little things like going to the bathroom. So I feel like that kind of gets in your head in a way like, oh, I need somebody, I need some authority figure to tell me it's okay to like start a business. Interesting. Um, and uh, I think you can, you can just do it, you know, right. like uh, you can just go start tomorrow. You can start today. That's interesting you bring that up. I can remember, yeah, in elementary school and stuff, like the teacher, you'd have to ask them to go to the bathroom and they wouldn't even let you. Yeah. Because they were like, we're working for the next hour and they wouldn't even let you go to the bathroom. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. You should always be allowed to go to the bathroom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's insane. Especially little kids. Especially but, little kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, um, 
I guess growing up, like, I always thought that, like, once I get to a certain age or once I get through college or whatever, like, then I'll understand what's going on, you know, um, then I'll get it. Like, I always felt like growing up, at least I felt like adults, like they had it figured out, you know, like they don't, they yeah. don't, they don't. Um, and when that really hit me is like, I got an internship doing web design and I was going into like a big corporate office and I was like 20 or 21 maybe. And all these people are in their thirties, forties. And I, I'm working there for like a couple days, maybe a couple weeks or something. And it just hit me one day, like these people have as like, they understand what's going on with this whole operation just as much as I do. And I've been here for like two weeks and that's when it hit me. Like nobody has a clue what's going on. Like, um, mm. you just have to figure it out and like try your best, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that in like a bad sense or anything like people, obviously there's tons of successful people out there who have like figured things out, but, um, like don't, don't sell yourself short, I guess is what that means. Like, uh, don't, don't think you can't do something because like you can do it. You just have to figure it out. Yeah. And at one point they didn't know too, all yeah. the successful people I've talked to a good amount now and I can't wait to talk to more on the podcast, but they all pretty much start with like an apprenticeship. Like they start in a field, for example, one I interviewed a couple weeks ago, worked at a dock and lift store for 20 years mm -hmm. and then eventually he bought the business and now he's a business owner and super successful but for those 20 years he was like working and learning the ins and outs mm -hmm. and then he made his move and i see a lot of people do that even with companies that they start from scratch they're working at a company they don't like how the company's doing this yeah and then they're going to start their own and do it differently okay. and they're the ones that excel like a bunch but a lot of people i know too like myself I got into kind of some easy businesses like lawn mowing and the surf lessons is unique, but I just like went in. I had no motto of how to run the business. Mm -hmm. I just jumped into it, started slow, worked up into it. But I talked about in the solo episode that I'm going to release before this one, how it's easy, so easy to get comfortable. Like after a year, I got comfortable making how much I was making at the surf mm -hmm. business. And I didn't, didn't have any goals in mind, like to set of revenue, how many customers I have. Yeah. So I just stay the same because I didn't have those goals set. And I was comfortable. I was fine with just doing this many this week, this many this week. But now I really sat down and I think it's important for business owners to sit down and create goals and try to hit them. You're never yeah. going to be able to measure it if you don't have a goal in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think goals are uh, like, I definitely have goals for the business. Um, like some are short term, some are long term, you know. Um but yeah, I agree. I think goals are super important. And uh, sometimes I think it's tough setting goals because you don't always have like a clear, at least for me, like I don't necessarily have a clear picture of like what I want. I have like an abstract idea of what I want the business to be 10 years from now, you know, um, but I don't and maybe that's just I need to sit down and like really do some thinking and like um try and figure out like what I want it to be. Uh, but yeah, I think goals are like super important and you're not going to hit all of them all the time, you know? Um, but I think one thing that's important with goals is like, you need to have a way to like break them down into smaller goals. So like, let's say your goal is 
you're just starting and you want to get a thousand Instagram followers by the end of the year or whatever. And it's like, okay, how are you going to do that? You need to like break that goal into smaller goals. Like I'm going to, my goal then is to post two to three times a week or like I'm going to, um, try and get endorsements from other bigger accounts or whatever, you know? Um, so you need to like break those bigger goals into sub goals and like start checking those off the list, you know, mm-hmm. because those sub goals will lead you to the the bigger goal. Yeah. I, I was actually yeah. thinking about it the other day and was talking with somebody we were talking about working out and how like a 50 minute workout is so much more daunting than, uh, than five, 10 minute workouts, like a 10 minute bicep, then 10 minute legs, Whereas a 50 minute whole body workout, like you're not going to want to do the 50 minute yeah. one, but you'll do the 10 minute ones just to get to the 50 minutes, Yeah, which yeah. is so interesting. And I, I feel like that's with everything for sure. With setting goals, you need to have like little bite-sized increments that you're like, Oh, I reach this. Yeah. I reach this. And then you eventually can get to that big goal. Yep. And then like that big goal will almost just happen naturally mm-hmm. by checking off the smaller goals. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. I definitely need to be way better about that. Um, I've, I got to set some goals for 2024. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like yeah. start working on some stuff here. There's still but, time. We're only like a week or two yeah, in. Yeah, totally. Totally. Let's get back to, I want to get into, if you feel comfortable sharing some of the cost of the starting the business, so like mm-hmm. cost of the embroidery machine, cost of thread, the screen print and all that stuff. Um. So yeah, we can start with the screen printer. Um. I have a cheap Amazon press right now, and I'm in the process of finding a new one, a better press to upgrade. The one I'm looking at, um, is like fifty five hundred bucks. Okay. Um. But it's got all the bells and whistles that I want. My problem with my press right now is it's just like not i i can't get the level of precision out of it that i want you know um so the one i'm looking at has like side clamps and you can make minute adjustments for registering the prints there's another term right there Uh, if somebody's talking (laughs) about like oh it's not registering that's just lining up registration is how your colors are lining up um and i can make stuff work you know like i can get the job done but um it's not ideal so yeah 5500 bucks for a nice press um embroidery machine that one's expensive uh you can start so i started with um a embroidery sewing machine combo and i think i paid like 350 300 for that 350 between 300 and 350 dollars um and you can do small embroideries and if you have to do a color change, you have to like manually change out the color and that introduces potential errors into what you're embroidering. Um, the big six needle machine that I have, that was like 10 grand. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so that's a hefty one. And that's what I mean with like people are less inclined to give out like free information for embroidery when they've spent $10,000 on a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one's expensive well worth it super worth it um and it'll last me a long time so right it's definitely worth it uh thread depends on what you're buying i use isocord um kind of tends to work the best for me the smaller 500 yard spools cost like seven to ten dollars um and then the larger like thousand ten thousand yard i don't see either a thousand or ten thousand yards uh, those are like 14. 
so you're there's a little bit of like a bulk discount there almost mm -hmm. um and then for screen printing yeah that stuff's not so bad you can get ink you can get like quarts of ink for um or like that's like what is that like 32 ounces whatever 32 ounces is you can get that for almost like a dollar an ounce no way yeah okay. yeah so it's like 32 dollars for 32 ounces emulsion is um similar similar in pricing and then if you're going to be reclaiming your screens which means cleaning them and then reusing them from like like taking the emulsion and the design and all the ink off of it and reusing it um there's some chemicals involved with that that are uh also similar in pricing for like okay. a half gallon so a little cheaper i guess but yeah um what i've learned throughout my journey of starting this apparel company, screen printing shop, whatever you want to call yeah. it, um, <laughs> is whenever I, cause like big purchases are always daunting, especially when you're uh, really small and you don't have a whole lot of capital. Um, those big purchases can be daunting, but every time I've like ballsed up and just bought the better thing, everything is easier and better mm -hmm. and like less of a headache you know um so yeah i would i would it's like you're not you're investing in you're you're like investing in your business you know like yeah. uh for you for like the lawn mowing business like you could do it all on like a craftsman tractor right <laughs> yeah. but it would take you forever and it would suck but like if you buy zero turn things are going to turn out better and it's going to be faster, better, easier, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I'd say like, as soon as you can or feel like feel comfortable with investing in the better equipment, you should. Yeah. I, yeah. I noticed, or I experienced that when I started the podcast, when I was just first experiencing, I bought like USB mics that were like 70 bucks and mm -hmm. they looked sick. I thought they'd work perfect. Like the reviews were great. And then it was a headache, like three days of trying to figure out how I can use two at once. I didn't have two ports on my Mac because yeah. like they have the stupid dongles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And when you'd plug in two, it was only recognizing one. So I was trying to like plug one into my phone and it was just a mess. And then I was just like, all right, I'm going to return these and get like what the pros are using because it's just going to make it so much easier. And yeah. it has. Now it's just, it just plug works. and play. Yeah. yeah. Everything works perfect. It sounds great. And there's no problems like I had to deal with three days of wasting my time not mm -hmm. doing jack it when sucked. you could have just bought the right stuff right away and yeah. saved you yeah but you know um sometimes you have to you have to do stuff like that to learn you mm -hmm. know um i think that starting a business and i'm no pro businessman like i'm still so small and like trying to get things figured out and like um I wouldn't consider myself successful yet. I don't know if I ever will. I'm just that kind of person, you know, <laughs> like, um, but, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but, uh, yeah, when you're, when you're starting a business, like you, oh yeah, you have to, you have to make the wrong purchase sometimes. So you learn how to make the right purchase. You have to mm -hmm. mess up here to learn how to do it right you know like you can't you can't expect everything to go perfectly every time because uh it never does yeah nothing, almost nothing ever goes according to plan uh -huh. exactly um 
until especially at first especially at first like you think you're just gonna come in oh i'm gonna knock out this four color print it's gonna be super easy and then nothing lines up you know yeah um and then you learn like oh maybe i should pay attention to where i'm putting the transparencies on the screens mm. so they're not like oh yeah right um so just like those little things that you sort of pick up on and you can't you can't give up on your first mistake um something i'm really grateful for um is that like i started snowboarding at a young age and it kind of like happened to get into it like uh i had a buddy and he invited me over to his house to snowboard one winter and we were in like fourth grade and he he I, I didn't know what a real snowboard was at that time or anything like that. And he had older brothers, so they were already like doing the real thing. And I went over there with like my Walmart snowboard or whatever. And he had the board and the bindings and the boots and whatever. And I remember going home that day and saying to my parents, like I was I was nine, so I still believed in Santa. So don't don't roast me for that. <laughs> but I went home and I told my mom, like, I don't know what you have to do to get into contact with Santa, but I need a snowboard because this was like a couple weeks. It was after I had already sent off my Christmas list and mm -hmm. all that. So, um, yeah, it just like blew my mind. Like, I didn't know what a real snowboard was. And then I got one and started doing it. And um, I think like snowboarding taught me how to like fail and not give up when things don't go right you know mm -hmm. um because i got really into like the park side of things and doing tricks and stuff like that and you fail so much like you constantly fail and just like eat shit and get hurt and like you have to stand up and like try it again or you'll never learn um and i think that that kind of instilled that in me for like starting the business you know like obviously there's times where like you feel bad you're really stoked about say for me like a drop or something that i'm doing like some design i thought was really good and it just kind of flops and you can't like you you have to instead of getting all upset and like oh i'm gonna go get like a job instead of <laughs> like trying to start this business yeah. you have to like look at it you have to like take a step back and like look at it more objectively and like what what went wrong here was the design just not good sometimes that's the case was the marketing bad you know did i not mm -hmm. take good enough photos did i not post enough about it there's all kinds of factors that can go into it um so yeah just don't you can't just give up you know like yeah you, you have to use every every failure as like a learning opportunity yeah. And here's the thing. I feel like it's never going to be right. Like the design's never going to be right. The marketing's never going to be right, but you yeah. got to go with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of like what I was saying earlier with like, I used to be soup, like a, like a huge perfectionist, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I still am to in a, a degree, but I'm much better than I was. Um, so yeah, you just can't be, you can't get too caught up in like, making the perfect thing because then you'll never make anything yeah you know um you kind of just have to keep moving forward something they would say to us in design school was like no design is ever finished 
Like you just have to choose an endpoint for it and you can always come back to it and revisit it and iterate on it some more and make changes and make something new. But um, yeah, you just have to pick an endpoint because you can change the font a million times. You can change the, the hierarchy or the layout of the design a million times. And like you get to the point where you're like, you've done so many different versions that you can't even remember what version looked the best anymore, yeah. you know? And then you just like have nothing. Right. Can you walk through kind of your creative process of like, say designing a t-shirt or a logo or something like your shirt right now? What was like the process mm -hmm. of creating that? Um, so this one, well, this was, I had done a different design based, um, like a, like last year I called it the algorithm t-shirt and, that one was like, sometimes when I do things, uh, there's like meaning behind it. And sometimes it's just fun. I think it looks cool or whatever. Um, so this one for, as a, for an example, it d had some more meaning behind it. So I had this concept, I have like, um, had a concept in my head, I guess, of like the idea sort of, of like scrolling through these social media apps and like sometimes i feel like it almost like makes me feel crazy like scrolling and because it's just like new thing new thing new thing new thing new thing and it like like sends your mind into like this whirlwind i feel or at least for me like and i like can't think anymore and i just have to like put it all away for a while yeah um so uh, yeah, that was kind of the idea behind this one. So it was the algorithm two. And then um, some things, if I'm doing like a heavy metal logo or like some kind of death metal style logo type, whatever you want to call it, um, that usually I start with sketching and like try and figure out what shape I want the letters to end up being in. And then so I'll like kind of sketch stuff out. And then I'll draw and procreate on my iPad and like, um, because it's easier to like go back and redraw lines or whatever. When you're doing everything on paper, um, if you mess up a line, you have to like erase and then like, it's just a little bit easier to do it digitally. Mm -hmm. So I'll do that that way. Um, and then take it into Illustrator, Photoshop and add whatever effects or colors or whatever I'm going to do with it. Um, for other things like this one, I went straight to illustrator and just like started messing around with like, um, the, the layout and the composition. And then, um, yeah, I just kind of like a little bit more free flowing. Like I knew I wanted to capture some kind of sense of like the jumbled mess that scrolling can become, mm -hmm. um, that's why it's like everything's kind of on top of each other, like the scroll, 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 and it just kind of like blends together because that's what I feel like happens when you spend a bunch of time scrolling. Like at a certain point, you're not even like looking at it anymore. You're just like it's just there and you keep going by. And that's another tough thing with social media marketing in general is like people are exposed to so many things on a daily basis. It's like really hard to get something to stick with them you know what i mean yeah um so uh, it's tricky um anyways that's besides the point <laughs> so i went straight into illustrator with this one start messing around with stuff i yeah i had an idea of like what i wanted to go for 
and then I just like start playing around with it. Um, and yeah, it, then you get to a certain point and you're like, okay, I think that this is it. And then, um, call it done. Give it a whirl. Yeah. 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 Print it out. Yeah. See what it looks like and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Um, one important thing I will say with doing design is generally your first iteration is not the right one. You should almost always, you can use it as a base idea. And sometimes the first iteration is the, the best one, but generally it's going to take a few tries at it to like really get it nailed down. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to, before I was in design school, before I was in the design program, um, I would, I was messing around with Photoshop and stuff and yeah, I would just like make something and I would be like, okay, that's done. And then, um, I quickly learned that iterating is very important. So like when I said I'm playing around with the design, like that's what I'm doing. I'm iterating. I'm like, um, duplicating everything and like changing it, you know, and seeing what looks better yeah. or like deleting sections and adding new stuff in or changing words and changing the way things look. Um, but you can get really in the weeds with iterating. So yeah, at some point you just have to call it done. Call it totally. Yeah. Yeah. The iterations is an interesting idea. I for sure do some of that, but I think that's a good thing to hone in on that you can get to where you want to be and then you can kind of piggyback off it to design something that mm -hmm. finalizes the look. Are there anything that are like kind of like rituals or that you do when you're in a creative process? Like, do you put your phone or phone away and not touch it at all or, and just focus on illustrator or drawing or stuff? Or do you let that stuff come into you and use that as inspiration kind of? Um, I hate that I go on my phone sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, when I, usually it's kind of just like you get into a flow state. Um, usually I listen to some kind of music or a podcast, um, something that I'm not going to have to pull out my phone and change for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, because like if I have to pull out my phone to change a song, there's a good chance I end up on Instagram yeah. and then there's a good chance I end up on YouTube. And yeah. then before I know it, I'm like knocked myself out of that crew and then I'm sidetracked and I'm going and doing something. So yeah, totally. yeah like, um, try and limit limit the things that are going to get me back on my phone um generally when i work i don't have my phone in my pocket i have it off to the side somewhere where like i can see or like um i guess if i have my airpods and if somebody calls me i'll know but mm -hmm. um yeah like i can see it but it's far enough away where like i know that i'm reaching for it you know when it's in your pocket it's like really easy to just kind of end up on it mm -hmm. for me um so keeping it away from me is really good because that's a huge distraction like a huge distraction and it'll take you out of a a creative state for sure um, yeah i think it break yeah it break, totally breaks you up i i'll share an experience last night i haven't had this in a while where i like go on like a crazy scrolling screen but i was like looking at like people that do social media marketing like mm -hmm. own agencies and I was like looking at their Instagram and I was like, boy, their life looks sick. And then I looked at like YouTube and I was like watching like their advice and stuff. And like an hour later, I'm like, am I even doing what I want to do? Like yeah. for businesses, is this podcast even going to be fun? And I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like I just got sucked so deep into that YouTube and Instagram mm -hmm. and like brainwashed, like try to start something that 
maybe succeeded for a couple guys in the world and stuff. Yeah. That why would I even like let that in? So I feel like scrolling on TikTok and stuff, you're never going to be able to create something in, a, in the business world if you're just consuming. You need to be the one that's pushing out the content. Yeah. yeah, you can't be a consumer of content. That's why I don't watch reels. Like maybe it would help me with a, for, 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 from, from a marketing standpoint, but like I just can't do it. Like I, because like with what you were saying um there's like little things that people don't tell you right like some of the people who are really successful had huge uh monetary backings from the get-go mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. um whereas like you're trying to do something organically you know um and uh, like i feel like there's a whole genre i call it productivity porn where um there's like all this advice on how to start a business or how to make money or whatever. Like you can go on YouTube and there's there's stuff out there that's like how to make a million dollars in like 10 seconds yeah. or whatever, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like complete nonsense. It, it It's it's always just like buy my master class. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and like, yeah, so I, I feel like. um you can get sucked down that rabbit hole and like you can get really inspired, but you're not actually doing anything. Right. You know? Um, and another thing with social media is people always post the good things, you know, mm -hmm. like you, you just said it, like I'm looking at these guys like, Oh man, their life is so sick. And it's like, is it really, mm -hmm. is it really like, have you talked to them? Right. You know what I mean? Have you had a deep conversation with them? Their life might suck. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, totally. Like just because they have a picture of them in some nice house that's rented or maybe they just used it for the photo shoot. Maybe they just use it for a podcast, you know, like it mm -hmm. might not even be theirs and you, you just think it's theirs or whatever. They're posing with a nice car. It's like, that could be a rented car that they rented for one day for the photo shoot to make you think that they're a millionaire. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there's a, and there's tons of that out there and people fall for it, you right. know? Um, and those guys like, that's their game. Mm -hmm. That's their, that's their entrepreneurship or that's their business is like being that person. Yeah. Um, totally. So yeah, social media is, uh, very toxic, very poisonous, I yeah. would say, but it's like a necessary evil, um, when starting a business, which mm -hmm. sucks, but. It is what it is. Totally. Let's get back to the business a little bit. Do you do a lot of printing for businesses like myself? I reached out to you and mm -hmm. needed merchandise for one of my businesses and you screen printed it and did some embroidery work. Do you do that for a lot of businesses? Um, Not as much as I would like to. Uh, yeah. That's a big thing I'm going to be working on in 2024 is like really doing some sales outreach. It's something that's been out of my, like I, my comfort zone is design and art and making um my outside of my comfort zone is all the business stuff you know yeah um so i definitely want to step outside my comfort zone this year and like do a lot more sales outreach and like really reaching out to local businesses and stuff and trying to drum up more work because i enjoy screen printing and doing the process and like all that stuff just as much as I enjoy printing my own uh, clothing or designing my own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think that, uh, I think it's going to be really important for the business. Like, I guess what I envision is like some kind of hybrid clothing brand, screen printing, embroidery shop. Like that's, that's what I want it to be. Um, whether it ends up being like that, I don't, it's hard to say, Mm -hmm. but that's, I guess like the, the sort of abstract idea. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to do more outreach and do more work for other businesses so if you're listening to this and you need merch you can uh you can hit me up <laughs> hit him up have you ever yeah. had somebody reach reach out to you from like out of state and you've done merch and shipped it out to them or no oh yeah really? oh yeah i did i did work for uh somebody in colorado um i've obviously done work for people in utah because that's where i went to school and i lived there for five years mm-hmm. um and i've done work for like a couple random people that have like just kind of or that through instagram you know um Mm -hmm. but more so it's like word of mouth and like people who somehow know me you know yeah Um, yeah totally gotcha and how how do you plan on reaching out to like businesses or i know you haven't set the goals yet but what's like the plan for trying to get more businesses involved to do their merchandise um I don't know. I think cold sales probably is going to be the way to go. I was listening to your interview with Tyler and like, it seems like he really drummed up a lot. I mean, he obviously had that, like, um, he had some clients that he already kind of knew from weed man, but like, yeah, the cold sales approach, like I think, uh, you miss a lot, but, um, it can work out too. So I think Mm -hmm. that like, and one of my friends, um, I don't know if you know him or not. Um, Maybe I shouldn't say his name. Anyways, we went to (laughs) high school with him and he does motion graphics and he, um, he works for like a pretty cool agency now. And he was like always kind of doing freelance stuff, but I was talking to him about it one time and he's like, dude, I made a spreadsheet of like 500 businesses that I would want to work for that I could find contact information for. And I emailed all of them. And he's like, you know, you know, so just like that kind of approach, I think is what I'm going to have to do. Um, And then just like also, you know, like having business cards made and like going into local businesses and like, hey, here's here's my card. Like, these are my services. Mm -hmm. Then at least they have a face behind it. And um, yeah, so definitely just like that sales approach i mean some of my friends are are salesmen and like that's their whole job you know is like going out and trying to drum up business for the people they work for unfortunately i don't have like a massive budget to hire a bunch of people to do that so i'm gonna do it myself for now um Mm -hmm. but yeah you know as soon as i can hire a salesman i think i will (laughs) okay yeah but that's how an entrepreneur has to be is they have to take on all the responsibilities at first. Yeah. Marketing. Yeah. You're doing the work for the business. You're doing a little bit of sales. You yep. got to be a jack of all trades to start. And I feel like that's how most successful entrepreneurs grow to a big business is that they're humble and that they do any of that, any of those tasks, even yeah. when they're at the top. Yeah. Yeah. They come down and still do door to door sales if they really had to or mm-hmm. to help out or to teach somebody what they've learned through all their experiences. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. And I think that's important. Um, you know, just like also not to like lose that edge. Like you don't want to get soft and comfortable and like not go do the hard work sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Right. But yeah, you know, like the business side of things is not necessarily my strong suit, um, but I'm definitely getting better about it. Like even like those little things, like keeping track of expenses or whatever, like the first for like from 2022 to 2023, when I really started totally normal, I would say like, that's when I started taking it more seriously. Um, I was just like, I think I'm making money. Like there's money in my account. I can buy stuff, you know, like, yeah. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until like relatively recently that I really like did a detailed breakdown of, of everything and <laughs> like, oh yeah, I actually am turning a profit, but, yeah. um, yeah, like I said, like my, that's not my strong suit, you know? Um, so I definitely struggle with that a little bit, but yeah, trying to get better about it. Uh huh. Totally. I, I want to touch on, uh, me and Tyler, you already listened to Tyler, is that we kind of started and lived at home through the process of starting a business. Mm-hmm. How has that helped or affected your business since you're working out of your parents' house right now? Um, I think it's been super helpful. When I started and I was living in Salt Lake, um, and it wasn't even really a business at that point. It was still just like a hobby, but I knew I wanted to make it into something legit. And there was just too many distractions. Like It was too easy to... Uh, go out and party or go out and like hang out with friends and not that having a social life is bad or anything but like at a certain point you have to like make sacrifices you know and like um maybe you have to sacrifice like some your social life in order to get things going and also like I don't know. I, I I don't want this to sound bad or mean or anything, but like at a certain age, like what are you trying to have a social life for still anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, like what's more important, like having bar friends that you go and get drunk with every weekend or like setting yourself up for an awesome future, you mm-hmm. know, and like a fulfilling life. Because like, I don't know, I went to college, I partied, like I did the bar thing i did the party thing and like that's not fulfilling you know what i mean yeah like that's not fulfilling on a spiritual level it's like fulfilling on like a surface level you know like it's fun Mm -hmm. you know but um making something is even more fun and i feel like once you realize that and you like can make that flip in your head about like like dude people waste so much time and money partying And I'm not saying like, like I said, like you should have some kind of social life, but also if you want to have a good work-life balance, like don't be an entrepreneur, like go get a, go get a nine to five somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, because like, especially if you want to do something creative in the sense of like art or design, um, cause I'd say all entrepreneurship is creative. Um, but yeah, like you have to be willing to make sacrifices and like really go all in. And that's why I moved back to Wisconsin from Utah and back in with my parents. Cause I'd lived on my own for five years, Mm. you know, um, I moved out when I was 18, went and lived in the dorms, then moved into a house and stayed there until I left Utah. Um, so it was tough. It was tough to like 
make that sacrifice and like move away from all my friends, you know, and like move away from all these people I knew. And not that I don't have friends here. I do. But like, um, it's different, you know, it's different. These are like the people in Utah were like people I became adults with, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was tough, but it was so worth it because if I was still living in Utah, like I'd need a full-time job to like pay rent and like a full-time job outside of the full-time job of trying to start your business, you right. know, um, to be able to like pay all my rent and food and car insurance and, um, medical stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Things come up, you know? Yeah. No, totally. Um, and then just like, yeah, all the distractions. It was like, there was so many times where, um, I knew I wanted to like work on a new t-shirt design, but I would get a text like, Hey, you want to go snowboarding or Hey, you want to go skate or what are you doing tonight? You know? And then you just end up doing that instead. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I don't mean to like bash on people who like going to the bars or whatever, but, um, I feel like it's really easy to like lose sight of it and like, it becomes habit, you know, and you're like almost not even having fun. This is how it was for me, right? Like all of a sudden I'm going out every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'm not having fun, but I'm still doing it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, So moving back to Wisconsin definitely helped me like break away from all that. And, and uh, the one, one positive thing to come out of COVID and the lockdowns was like, all of a sudden you couldn't go to the bars anymore. So Mm -hmm. had to like, that's when I really realized like, oh, I wasn't having fun. Like, you know, yeah. it's way more fun, like playing Catan with my roommates than going to the bar, right. you know? So, yeah, I'm sure I a lot know. of people can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people are just going out and it's just a habit and mm-hmm. they they think they're having fun, but it's so much more fulfilling to be doing what you love and be doing it every day mm-hmm. and something that can possibly make you money too, which is awesome. Yeah. And I've talked to in previous episodes about surrounding yourself with like people that are going to help you to get to that scale, mm-hmm. whether that's like your friend group, some mentors or something. Th- those are super important people because they help you get to the level that you want to get to. But they're also a support system for you so that you don't have just nobody. Yeah. Because a lot of people are going to stay and want to do the partying or mm-hmm. have a work life balance or go to the nine to five and they're not going to be able to go golfing or snowboarding when you want to like yeah. on your time yeah but some of those people that own their businesses or are creative are going to be able to make their schedule work with yours which is cool because they, they're flexible as well yeah yeah no i, I you know the work-life balancing is tough like um on the one hand as an entrepreneur you have the freedom to like okay i'm gonna drive up to granite today and like take the day off but Also, like, then that means maybe you have to go harder next week or, like, maybe you had to go harder earlier in the week and, like, do some 12, 14-hour days or whatever to get everything done so Mm -hmm. that you could go do that. Um, Yeah. So, but, yeah, surrounding yourself with the right people and having a support system is really important, and that definitely helps with, like, living at home. If If you have chill parents and you're you're able to do it like i'm definitely a fan of like living with your parents european style yeah (laughs) Um, because like yeah it's like some weird thing here in america where like um it's almost frowned upon to like live with your parents and or like people think you're like uh there's always like that 
that like classic thing of like the 40 year old guy living in his parents basement or whatever and like Mm -hmm. i feel like that's the image people have in their heads and that's what i thought always like um like living at home was whack or like living with your parents once you were an adult was whack but i had a buddy from switzerland and uh he was telling me like this is years ago now uh when when i was still in college but he was saying like dude people in europe like will live with their parents till they are like ready to get married and then finally move out um and it's like not as frowned upon there you know so there's a lot of there's there's like there's pros and cons you know um but yeah if you have chill parents and you're fortunate enough to be able to do so to work on to start a business or whatever like yeah live with your parents you don't have to pay rent uh if you have a mom that's gonna cook for you like let her cook for you you know what i mean like Uh like take that extra like i mean you hopefully you'll be able to pay her back somehow someday you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah live at home like it's definitely worth it you know there's so many little things i don't have to worry about so i can just focus on trying to build my business Mm -hmm. um i think i think living at home is like great especially when you're young and trying to start a business because you don't like i'm not married i don't have any kids you know what i mean so like i'm 25 you know like i've got nothing but time to like work on this you know Mm -hmm. whereas like and that's like the tough thing about starting a business when you're young is like you don't necessarily have some of this life experience but also like if i waited until i was 35 and was married and had kids it like makes it way harder to try and like quit a full-time job to like Mm -hmm. start a business or whatever right i couldn't agree more with the living at home uh statement we've covered i feel like so much motivation and advice for young entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that it's tough for me to ask this question but I like to end every episode with asking what advice you'd have for young or new entrepreneurs or business owners that are starting out or maybe even stuck in their job right now and mm-hmm. they want to go off on their own. Um, give yourself permission to do so. Like uh, that's that was another piece of advice I got from a design professor. Um, it's like give yourself. Yeah. Give yourself permission to to, to do so to, to start. And uh, Cause I think that's super important. Um, I think it's like a subconscious thing that like people think they need somebody to tell it. Like, like you don't need your parents to tell you it's okay for you to start a business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like your parents are important and, um, you don't want to, you don't want to like be an ass to them or something like that. But you know, it's, your life at the end of the day and like what's going to satisfy you do you want to work a job for your whole life for somebody else if you have that ambition that fire inside you to start to to like want to do something you just need to start you know and you can't figure out what you need to know until you start so you just have to like i think that's the most important thing is like just give yourself permission to start give yourself permission to be creative um my one piece of advice for people who want to be creative would, or my second would be like, um, creativity is a muscle, you know, like people are definitely, you can be born with like, uh, 
you can be born with it, I guess, but like, it's really just like a muscle and it's like something you can learn, you know, like you can, you can learn to think outside of the box and like, you can focus on thinking outside of the box and like, yeah, you can learn how to be creative. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of people in my life say to me like, oh, I wish I was creative as creative as you. And it's like, you could be, you know, like you just aren't trying to be so, mm-hmm. um, and creativity manifests in all kinds of ways. Like, like your businesses are creative, you know what I mean? Um, they're just not creative in necessarily like an art or design sense, but like you're creating something which is a creative act, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. creativity can manifest in all kinds of ways. Um, it's a muscle that you can learn and you can train yourself to be creative and yeah, give yourself permission to start. I think that's super important. For sure. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Yeah, Dude, we'll this is great. Yeah, that uh, was super fun. And just one thing, one final thing. Yeah. I brought some stuff for you. Oh, let's go. I don't know if anybody's brought you a gift yet. No, nobody has yet. So I brought you some gear. Oh, no way. Some totally dude. normal stuff. Let's go. So, is this a deer? Yeah, that's a deer. Deer that's hat. That's sick. All right, um, all right. The logo T. The front and back. Yep. Yeah, I like that a lot. I brought size large. If you need a okay. different size, uh, we can always switch it out. And, the, and the, so this is a woven label on this arm yep. then too, on the yep. sleeve. Yep. So how do you stitch that on? Just with my sewing machine. Okay. Yeah. I like this one too. Yeah, the Milwaukee knows, like, Tools yeah, ripoff. The Milwaukee yeah. Tools, yeah. That's sick, dude. And then uh, just one of the low key hoodies. Ooh. So it's nice and heavy too. Yeah, yeah. It's all nice this stuff, heavy. all my blanks are all it's all USA made, um, with cotton from the USA. So no sweatshops. Yeah, yeah it's all really nice stuff. So Heck that's yeah. important to me. Um, just as an aside, I don't know if we're still recording or not. But no, yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like anytime I can get stuff that's made in the USA. Like, dude, it's what's crazy is like, it's. In certain crowds, it's like controversial to say this, but like support USA businesses. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. support your fellow Americans, buy American products. Um, dude, so much shit that comes from China is just junk. Like, um, like people make nice stuff here, you know, mm-hmm. and all it takes is a little research to find out like American made companies. Yeah. It's worth it. Totally. So. What a sick, what a sick gift, dude! Thanks so much. Dude, I'm, I'm no so problem. hyped. I'm so no hyped. Problem. This stuff's so sick. Hell yeah! And if you're just listening on audio, you should check out the video for that yeah. part because yeah. these are sick. And you can get them on totallynormalshop. Yeah, totallynormalstudios.com. Um, or there's a link in my Instagram, totallynormal.studio. Uh, yeah. So. Perfect. We'll link all that in the description along with cool. my stuff. Cool. And I was thinking also if you could provide links to like all the stuff that you started out with, like at the Amazon, maybe for like the screen printing or yeah. embroidery machine. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just for maybe somebody that's starting like a company, I could just put that in the comments for them. For sure. For sure. Awesome. We'll wrap it up. Thanks, man. Cool. Thank you. That was awesome.